we really we really could use you to pray and if if, if any of you would like to help sponsor uh, someone to camp uh, you could sure do that because it is a little costly I don't know what the total costs are but I want to pray about it, and you know, I, I we, we talk about it now because it's the best time to get that in. I I know that camp, youth camp, for me, when I was a young person, I remember when my pastor's wife came up to me and asked me to go to youth camp. I'd never been to youth camp, never knew what it was like. In fact, my mindset at that time was that going to a church youth camp that's got to be boring. And boy, was I wrong. It was the most powerful, impacting time. It was at youth camp that the Lord actually spoke to my heart and confirmed His call on my life. It was a powerful time. I pray, parents, that you would pray about it and, and think about it and encourage your kids uh, because it is, it's powerful, it's, it's fun, it's exciting, it's amazing to be in the presence of God. And just, not only are they there to hear ministry speak, but they themselves learn to hear the voice of the Lord, learn to hear the Lord speak to them. Amen? Amen. I just really want to encourage you that way. Also, want to just encourage you as well on our Wednesday night. We're coming through the series with Brother Bill Johnson on hosting his presence how many of you believe God wants our homes to ex- have the environment of His kingdom in it? The environment of His power and glory upon our lives. And I, I, I really believe that, that we carry, we all carry something. And when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the one thing that is most pro- predominant on a believer being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you carry resurrection life. That's what the Holy Spirit and baptism in the New Testament was connected with resurrection power. That means that what you think, how you see, how you hear, what you do, affects everything around you. It affects you inside out. It affects your environment. And God intended for you to bring life wherever you go. But in order for that to happen, you first must be renewed in your mind and actually believe that. Amen? It's not enough just to see it in the book of the pages in the Bible. But it's where I begin to repent, change my thinking, and begin to walk in the power that Jesus says we have. Amen? We, how many of you can say, I have the power today? Amen? I, I believe that this is the most exciting times to be living. I want to. I want to take you in your Bible. I want to uh, take you in a series. I'm going to be starting a series this morning, and uh, the title of my series I'm excited about. It's it's entitled Family Power. Family Power. How many of you believe God wants us to have strong families? Family Power. Everyone say Family Power. I know there's a lot of books on relationships today, but I felt the Lord speak to me to speak about the family. You know, some of you may think, well, Pastor, I've raised my kids already, and, and, uh, or maybe you're, you feel that you're single. Well, the Bible says that God sets the solitary in families. God is interested in your relationships. In fact, he's interested in how you relate to one another. He's interested in you recognizing the de- deposit that you have in your life. You know, I this a year ago, my wife and I just became grandparents. And we've entered into a new phase in our life. But it, it's just so exciting. I mean, John, you would have been proud of me yesterday. Ethan was on my back. And I was doing push-ups with him on my back. And it, we even have it on video. And who knows, maybe I'll show it someday. <laughs> but he was having a great time riding on Grandpa's back. But I want to tell you something. God wants, you know, it's, God wants us to have a refreshed understanding of relationships. Building healthy relationships. He wants us to know that the purpose of His glory, the purpose of the power is to empower us in the way we understand and relate with each other. Amen? We are in a season. 
in America right now. How many of you know there's a shift going on in America? There's a shift going on in our nation. Lines are being redrawn. Values are changing. Today there is more confusion in America concerning what is right, what is wrong. There's more confusion today concerning family values. Today there's no such thing as the traditional nuclear family, one woman, one man. Today society is changing where you now have uh, different... T- uh, uh, the, the, the family has been being redefined on the basis of what is relative to you. What is relative. There are no more absolutes. In our society, we've come to a point where absolutes are kind of thrown to the wind and we just kind of live according to what we feel. That's, that's our culture. And I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time this morning talking about all the, the trends and the negative trends that are happening, you already know those things. You know we are in a very important season, and I believe it's the season where the church, Jesus said to Peter, based upon what his confession was, that he would give Peter as well as the disciples the keys of the kingdom. And he said, upon this rock, the confession of his faith, the declaration that came out of his mouth, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, we are in a spiritual battle right now. And it's time for the church, amen, I I believe that the church is a hospital. I do believe the church is a place where we need to be restored and healed. But I also believe that the church is a place where we need to come and begin to rally together and begin to put on the whole armor of God and begin to understand what we're up against. And we need to go out with some courage. We need a Joshua generation who is going to possess the land take back our cities, take back our nation, begin to raise the banner of God's kingdom as a nation, one nation under God. Amen? Now, I know that it doesn't look too hopeful from the political standpoint, but we're not looking at flesh. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. We need to come to understand and stop getting irritated and losing our uh, attitude because we see things around us. I, I don't like things either. But one thing I need to do, and the Lord reminds me all the time, is, is, is He says, Ray, you need to understand that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men that they cannot see. So we are in a spiritual battle. And the reason why... We are seeing these changes take place in our nation. is because the enemy, the devil, and I'm not here to talk about the devil, but I want you to understand that Satan's objective is to target the family. There's a saying that often goes that as the family goes, so goes the nation. Wherever the family is, because the family represents The family actually represents Jesus Christ and the church. If he can somehow destroy the natural natural example, the natural picture, then people begin to have a very confused and fragmented and distorted view on relationships. The family was God's masterpiece. It was God's ultimate Uh, a prototype. It was what he instituted in the beginning to help you and I understand how we relate with him. Did you know that? Because in the family, you have authority. In the family, we have relationship. It's in the family, we have structure. In the family, we have a lot of different dynamics that were intended to help all of us to grow up in a healthy understanding where First the natural, when we have those natural things in order, then we begin to grow and our children begin to grow up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and we begin to understand what the spiritual realm is is like. And so that's why we need healthy dads and healthy fathers and healthy mothers and healthy wives and healthy relationships. Now, some of us have gone through, in fact, not all of us, and I'll say this for myself, I myself have come out of a dis functional 
family. Uh, I love my dad. I love my mom. My dad taught my, me how to be a great, taught me how to be a carpenter. My dad was as an excellent car, co- contractor, a builder. Uh, he could build anything. He, he was a master craftsman. But, but my dad did not know how to communicate. Uh, even to this day, he's a very quiet man. He's a, more of an introverted man. He, he's never said, I love you to me. Uh, I get more calls from my pastor than I get from my father. Uh, and I don't blame my dad because I realized later, because I used to be angry at my dad, the Lord rebuked me and said, you need to forgive your dad, you need to make it right with your dad, because I begin to realize that there was a generational problem. My dad never had his dad tell him anything and bring put any impartation. So we find a generational problem. Many of us can testify today that if we look deep inside... And we look at some of the things that we've carried with. Maybe there's been certain areas or certain cycles, certain habits in your life. And I'm not here to talk about just uh, modifying your behavior this morning because we want to focus on the power of the Holy Spirit in 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 the life of every believer this morning. But if you've carried certain distinctives, certain habits, there's been certain traits that you've carried with from generation. And all of you may have some of those traits. I remember talking to a gentleman one time. He says, you know, Pastor, I just have a... I remember coming into their home and there was just kind of an explosive anger in their home. And I said, man, you know, how do you guys live with this anger? And both the husband and wife started laughing at me. Oh, man, you haven't seen anything yet. We're always explosive and angry at each other. In fact, I was angry. My dad was angry. My grandfather was angry. We all are angry. And they were laughing about it. I couldn't handle it. It was so, uh, so oppressive. But people, because of the dysfunctional past and some of these things, some people come to learn to live with those things. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there's a better way. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ comes to baptize us afresh with the knowledge of who Jesus is so that the grace and the mercy and the truth can set us free. Amen? But we, we're going to look at what family power is all about. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't, Carol and I, we do not watch television sitcoms anymore. I will watch the news. I'll watch Discovery. I like, you know, my favorite television show is The Weather Channel. I, I just, I love The Weather Channel. I, I don't know why, but when I get bored, uh, I'll turn on the Weather Channel. I don't know. I just love the weather. But I cannot stand television. I'm not kidding. The shows and what I have seen, it is so sad because it makes the head, it makes the father, the man in the home, look like the stupid idiot. He's the dumb cluck who doesn't know anything. And the kids are smarter than the parents. And so have you noticed that in, in our generation, we have a complete perverted reversal where things have reversed. And, that it, and let me tell you, there's a scripture in the book of Proverbs that talks about that a man who comes to mock and to joke or scorn says behind his mockery is hatred in his heart. Today, people have no problem turning on and listen to comedy. Lots of the comedy that is on television is intended to sway your values. It's intended to put down authority, destroy the home, make fun of the family. And uh, I'm not going to knock down what's going on on television. I'm not intending to do that. But I, I want you to know that as parents and as believers today, we need to rise up. Amen? Now, I want to take you, and I want to move quickly this morning, and I want to take us into some scriptures. I want you to see some passages here, first of all. I want to take us, while I keep going off here, okay, here we are. Let me get to my PowerPoint here. Well, let's jump over to Isaiah chapter 60. I can't bring that up right now. Isaiah, jump with me to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. I want you to see what the, the prophet here, Isaiah, says to the people here. This is a a messianic 
prophecy and a word to God's people where he says, to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you and the Gentiles, these are unbelievers, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Can you say amen? Now, the Bible says, arise and shine. The word shine there in the Hebrew means the, break of a, the breaking of day. In other words, God is saying that the glory that is upon you is like the sun coming up. There's glory on you like the sunrise. How many here have ever had somebody call you sunshine? Turn to your neighbor and say, hi, sunshine. Amen. That means, my wife used to always call her kids, hi, sunshine. Well, it literally means, arise and shine means to break the day. It means to the, for the sun to arise. In other words, God is saying that the glory of the Lord is going to be on the church in such a way it's going to be like the sun coming up. In the midst of darkness, there's a glory upon the people. In other words, we need as the church to begin to realize what we possess and what we have. In fact, going clear back into Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham where he was to get out of this culture and out of his family and out of the land. And he said, into a land that I will show you. And it says that Abraham departed. God said that I will bless you. I will make and give you a great name. That speaks of influence. And he says that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Part of the blessing from Abraham through Jesus in the new covenant wasn't just to bless you, redeem you, forgive your sin, wash you, cleanse you, and impart peace to you. But God wants to use you to be a blessing to other families around you. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, uh, does that count if I'm divorced? Uh, Does that count if I've come through a broken marriage or broken life? Let me just tell you, folks, we've all been dysfunctional. We've all come through dysfunction. And I, I, I want to just lift that stigma off of people who've been through divorce. I want to tell you, where sin abounds, where brokenness abounds, God's grace doth much more abound. And I want you to know there's no limitation, there is no wall, there is nothing that should ever make you feel that you cannot be effective in the kingdom of God. I remember growing up in a church, no kidding. Where there, was a, where there was an idea that if, if you were divorced way back in the 60s, and say, I remember this, or even our pastor, we've evolved from that, but I remember the day that if you were divorced, you couldn't teach a Sunday school class, you couldn't do anything in the church because you were divorced. Well, that was legalism. We didn't understand the grace of God. In other words, if you've hung on and you never got divorced, then, then you were qualified. The only problem with that was that everybody that was still married wished they were divorced, though. Many of them were fighting like cats and dogs, and they they learned to they they, they might not have gone to the courts and got a divorce, but they were just as bad as the people who did, and yet but but we thought, well, they're 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 really standing strong, so they deserve to be used. Those days, hopefully, are gone. Because it's we we we're not and should not be judged on the basis of of our performance. We're we're judged on the basis of His performance and Jesus Christ has defeated sin. Jesus Christ has paid the price. He set you free and He's raised you, seated you with Him and He crowned you with loving kindness. And the Bible says in Colossians 1 that by His blood you are qualified. You are qualified. Everyone say, I'm qualified. One of the things that I believe when it comes to family power there's one thing I want to do. I want you to leave this place today knowing you are anointed to lead. You are anointed as a father and a mother to speak, 
You are anointed to get the wisdom of God. You are not stupid. You are not confused. You are not just eagerly getting by. My Bible says that God has put within you a treasure within earthen vessels that the power of God may not be of us, but of Him who works all in all. It is His grace, it is His strength alone. We need to get our eyes off ourselves and off our shortcomings and off of our failures in one of the most treacherous things that is happening even in, even in the church is when people get married. The tendency is to, and, and Jesus even said it, that a man's own enemies will be of his own house. The tendency is when you live with people close enough We get close enough to each other in the family setting. The tendency is that we tend to criticize. We tend to put each other down. We tend to even disqualify each other to the point where the the, the family becomes paralyzed. I've seen people have a fight and not come to church. Well, we better not go to church because we're not worthy. We're hypocrites. Do you know that if you've ever done that, you have believed a lie? In fact, there is nobody here this morning that is worthy to be here apart from the blood of Jesus that covers your life. I, I want to just, just kind of make a major announcement for all of you. My wife and I have actually, actually before church started, many of you don't even know this. Well, you don't have to say amen about this. But, <laughs> but we've actually had some serious knocked down now we haven't knocked each other down. we haven't there was no abuse but we've had some pretty serious arguments we had serious disagreements i didn't want to preach i remember one time i said you preach i'm not going to preach today and she said well if you don't preach i'm not going to preach we'll just let john preach john it was coming to you <laughs> i mean there were times where we felt unworthy we were heated we didn't feel good. And I thought, Lord, why did we, Why is this happening now? And, you know, I wanted to blame the devil. And, and God said, don't, don't blame the devil, Ray. The devil's been defeated. The problem is it's your selfishness or your pride or it's your immaturity or it's your blindness. But he says, here's the point. When you fall, you get up. When a righteous man may fall seven times... You get up. You don't stay down. Well, I just won't go to church because if I go and raise my hand, my wife will be looking at me and she will say, what a hypocrite you are. You don't understand. Those thoughts are demonic and they're wrong. Do you know that when you got married, how many of you know that when y'all got married, you were never qualified for marriage? How many of you know that when you had kids, you were never qualified to have kids. I mean, you, there's a lot of books on relationships, a lot of books on marriage. You can read all the books, go to all the seminars. You can drink the Kool-Aid. You can do the whole nine yards. But let me tell you something. It still does not prepare you for marriage and raising kids. Because every seminar I ever went to, every book I ever read, when I finally got married, when I finally had kids, it didn't make sense because it wasn't like the book or the conference said. And I come to find out, wow, I'm so ill-prepared. And then one day, the Lord turned the light on, and he said, Ray, do you know why you're weak? Do you know why you're feeling ill-prepared in such an endeavor that you're in? I said, no. One thing about it is I'm embarrassed. I'm weak. I feel isolated. I feel crazy. I don't want to serve God. I don't want to even be with my wife. I'm tired of it. And the Lord said, that's a good place to be. I said, what? God says, I'm attracted to weakness. I'm not attracted to a person who thinks they know how to do it, knows how to beat it, knows how to make it. Because my grace is not sufficient for a man who's strong. Do you remember? I thought it was interesting. John, you brought up the story about Mary and Martha. Remember Martha? Martha was a perfectionist. By the way, Martha gets a bad rap. But Martha was a woman she was a great servant, a great follower. In fact, Mary and Martha were probably much smarter than many of their male counterparts. These women were devoted women who loved the Lord, followed the Lord, even helped take care of Jesus, providing financially. The Bible actually says that in some places. But 
The one thing about it, when Jesus came to Martha, Martha was preparing a meal, fixing the house, taking care of the doilies and curtains and the bread and the oven and the meat on the stove. And the Bible says that Jesus sees Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but Mary hath chosen the good part. You know what Martha was trying to do? Martha was trying to impress Jesus. You know what? I didn't realize that I was trying to do that myself one day. I was trying to impress God. Lord, I don't need your help. I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know what's amazing? What God will do? God will put you into a situation where everything falls apart and you can't fix it. And you know what? Let me, let me tell you something. That's a good place. Now, some of you are... Because, see, the devil wants you to think, well, since you can't fix it, you are weak, you are a coward... You need to stay home. You're disqualified. Shut your mouth. Don't ever prophesy again. Do you know that some of your greatest anointing and the greatest insight will come when you begin to surrender to the Lord and you allow the Lord to do what you cannot do? Jesus is attracted to our weakness. But we live in a world that prides itself in what we can do. It's what I have to do. Lord, I want to impress you. I want to show you, Lord, I haven't sinned for five whole weeks. Thank God I haven't sinned. I haven't smoked. I haven't drank. I haven't, I, I'm just so good. Oh, I'm so good. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we don't consciously say that, but we just kind of subconsciously keep this little track record in the back of our mind. Praise God, I haven't had a fight with my wife in three whole months. Praise God, honey, we're worthy to go to church. Amen. Let's report to Pastor Ray Ledham. We're ready for duty. Because we haven't fought. I haven't cussed. I haven't smoked. I haven't drank. I praise God. We keep this little track record and we really think we're okay. And I hate to tell you folks right now, but that's all pride. And you know what? It's called, it's called Phariseeism. You're no different than a Pharisee. Because you're measuring your walk by your own effort. Martha so wanted to serve Jesus. And you know when Jesus said this, I, I, I often for years wondered what Jesus meant that when he said Mary had chosen the better part. You know what the better part was for Mary? It was because Jesus, or uh, Mary was letting Jesus serve her rather than like Martha who wanted to serve him. See, Jesus wanted to serve Martha. In other words, let me say, when you come to the house of the Lord, the Lord wants to minister to you. It's not just about you ministering to Him. He wants to minister grace to you. The Bible says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. See, Martha wanted to impress Jesus. See, one of the things that we have to do is recognize and take ownership with this thought. As part of the arising and shining, isn't shining and, and displaying how strong I am and what I've done in my own accomplishment. Part of the shining is allowing the world to see what Jesus has done for me in spite of me. And what He's doing in my life in spite of me. Do you know what qualifies anyone to be, to be, to be used of God? It's not credentials. It's not their successes. If that was the case, none of the disciples should be used. In fact, if you really look at Peter, 50 days at the day of Pentecost, 50 days prior from the time that Jesus rose from the dead, Peter lied and denied that he ever knew the Lord, turned his back like a coward 50 days the reason 50, because 50 is the number of Pentecost, 50 days later, that man, in two and a half months, opens the gate for the Jews and the Gentiles to come into the kingdom through the preaching of the gospel. My point is, God can use failures. God can use people who are weak. One of the things I feel today is that there's an anointing today to bring healing and restoration to people who feel 
awkward, feel inadequate, feel weak in their own strength. But here's the thing. There's an exchange that has to take place. You know, because sometimes we never learn the lesson. Sometimes we have to go around the mountain. But there's a point where we be, begin to let go and let God take, have the reins in your life. Amen? Really important. I want you to jump over with me into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember, the Lord said to Abraham, He says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you can. As we look into this passage here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice what it says, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says this. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder... I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For there is no other foundation that anyone can lay that, that, is, that is other than Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, that means something eternal, something that has been tested and tried. If he builds on that foundation, each one's work will become clear. For the day... The day of testing will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of which sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God and the Spirit of the Lord dwells in you. Can you say amen here? Now Paul is saying concerning his ministry that he is a builder. When it comes to families, we need to ask ourselves this question. And I think it's so important. We need to ask ourselves, what are we building? Do you know that every one of you this morning are building something? All of you in, in any relationship Jump over with me to another passage. Jump with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus makes mention about relationships. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus mentions this about relationship. And he says this. Why? Do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Because there were people in that day that were following him, but they were not literally listening and obeying him. Whosoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now, Jesus here is not talking about redemption, but he's talking about obedience for blessing. And he's, he's talking about our relationship. Then he says this. He shall be like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat venably, in other words, storms came against that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon the rock. But he who heard and did nothing. Everyone say do nothing. He who did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth and without a foundation, without foundation, against which the stream beat venomously. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Now Jesus here is talking about our relationship. And there are two things that I want to point to your attention on this. What he's saying is that first of all, our relationship to Him must go beyond lip service into actions and substance. God wants actions. Everyone say actions and substance. In other words, He's saying, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? Now, He's not saying that because you don't do the things that I say. He's not saying He doesn't love you. 
But he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get us into a proper alignment for the blessing of God to come as well as the umbrella of his protection. Because in the same passage here, the second thing that Jesus emphasizes is that what we build upon and how we build our relationships and how we build our house and what we build upon determines our success or failure. Amen? Now, there's no such thing as a failure, I don't believe. But a failure is a person who just fails to listen, a person who fails to get up. But he says this, and it's a promise. He makes a promise that whatever you build is going to be tested by storms. One thing I do when I'm in pre-marriage counseling, and I'm talking to people who are getting married. Uh, in fact, uh, we've even made a t-shirt. You know, I survived Pastor Ray's pre-marriage counseling class. Uh, and and I, I tell people in pre-marriage counseling, this is what I tell them. I say, and I say this honorably and respectfully, but I said that it's really not counseling you're coming to. It's more of a testing. I said, you're in a place where you're about, get, about to get ready to get married. And I said, the one thing you want to do before you get married is you want to make sure that you've looked at everything and you've not overlooked anything. You want to put that relationship to the test so you don't have to look back later on and say, I wished I would have thought of that. I wished I would have thought of that. I meet more people, more people. And I'm not a popular guy in this one. Because I, I don't know about you. How many of you believe that marriage should go the long haul? I'm all for the long haul. And so we, we want marriage to last. Nobody here... I don't know about you guys, but I, I wouldn't want to board an airplane if I found out that that airlines was having lots of problems. I wouldn't want to buy a house if I ever found out that the foundation was cracked. You know, one thing, I used to be a builder, and one thing you do when you build a house, you build according to the blueprint. But one thing I've noticed when I used to build houses years ago, the one thing that people never check on is the foundation. And you know why? You can't see it. Most of the time, the foundation, uh, most people will come through a house, they'll look at the kitchen, the dorm room, and they'll look at the, the, the siding and all the aesthetics and all the cosmetic things, and they fall in love with the house, but they never check the foundation. You can't see the foundation. The foundation determines the character, the strength, the structure of the house. In other words, everything needs to be tested. Like I said, when I have people come and talk to us about getting married, I actually say this in an honorable way, but I, I say this. I'm going to do everything in my power to break you up. And they look at me. Why would you want to break us up? Because you may hate me now, but you'll thank me later. Amen. How many of you believe that we need to test what we get into? Well, God's interested in what you do. Now, I'm not, I don't say that in any way to gloat or uh, be proud about that. But I, I believe it's important that we don't just kind of get all goo-goo-eyed and just, oh, I'm in love. I'm in love. Most people are not in love. They're in lust. Most people are not. They're, they're insecure. They're in a hurry. They, they, they want to they, they just get it done. And then they find out, wow, I didn't know the guy had a character. He lies. He cheats. He doesn't keep his word. He cheats on his taxes. The guy's abusive. He's hurtful. She hurts. They're cheaters. I, there's so much stuff like this. And I, I believe God wants us to, to, how many of you believe we need to walk in wisdom? Now, Jesus said that the wise man dug deep. Everyone say going deeper. In other words, when... Jesus said, he says, I'm going to liken a man who builds his house upon the rock is that he dug. He's digging. He's a digger. Everyone say digger. The man who didn't have a foundation did not dig. That means they assumed it. They just assumed that everything was okay. A wise man digs. That, that's, the same thing applies here at New Life Fellowship. Same thing applies to even in the message of the grace of God and what the Holy Spirit is doing. In order for us 
to build a solid house, to build solid relationships. I need to understand what that means. Let me, let me give you, and I'm going to go through this quickly. If you can help me, uh, Bill, or someone back there, because I can't get my cell phone to work here. Uh, I, I want to run through 12 things quickly. And that what I call the 12 things that make the house strong. Your house, any relationship, needs these 12 things to work. Number one, number one, can we put that up there? Praise God. I just can't. It keeps going off on me, David. I don't know why it does that. A kingdom environment. Amen. The first thing that every relationship needs is a kingdom environment. In other words, there needs to be faith in the house. Amen? One of the, a kingdom environment means that our house is a place where Jesus and the freedom of the Holy Spirit rules and reigns. Where Jesus is Lord. There's a freedom to talk about the Lord. It's a good thing where mom and dad can pray they can talk about the God. The, the Bible is not just a, a nice little centerpiece on the, on the living room table. But the kingdom environment is a kingdom of love, joy, and peace. There's, a, there's a, uh, 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 the favor of God on that house. A kingdom environment where we can talk about the Lord. Where there's prayer. We, we actually pray over problems. We actually talk about the Lord. Everyone say talk. Sometimes I, I've, I've talked to people in marriage counseling. I'll say, when's the last time you actually brought up the Lord in your house? Well, we haven't talked about the Lord in months. We go to church. But a kingdom environment is where people you can experience and sense the peace of God in your home. How many of you believe that we need to have the peace of God on our home? We need to have the presence of God. Well, that's because mom and dad or dad or mom or just if you're a single parent, it it applies to you too. If the kingdom of God, how do I know if the kingdom of God is in my home? It all comes down to this. Is Jesus Lord in my life? That's what it matters. Have I surrendered my life to his great, to his word? Have I surrendered my life? The first thing is a, uh, is a kingdom. That's, that is what makes it what I call a super home. The second thing is is leadership. Everyone say leadership. Every home needs leadership. Leadership does not mean dictatorship. Leadership means that someone in the house is setting the direction. There's guidance. There's goals. How many of you know that without leadership, without direction, there's confusion? Without goals, without leadership, there will be no unity. Someone in the house, dads, need to be able to stand up and say, as for me and as for us in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, you're going to do it in a loving way. You're not going to beat kids and make them mad and make them sad. That's not what it's all about. But leadership in the house. Holy Spirit leadership is the kind of leadership where dads are not dictating what to do, but they set the example. Do you know why I'm called to leadership as a pastor? I'm not called here just to bark out orders up here. My leadership is based upon the fact that I demonstrate what it is to submit. We're going to be talking. By the way, all of these things are subtitles over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about leadership. Leadership is not just so much about leading and guiding as it is is, is demonstrating what it is to submit under leadership. You'll find that in the life and the ministry of Jesus, Jesus always, always said this. He always said this. I can of my own self do nothing. But as I hear... And as I see, my judgment is just because I do not my will, but the will of Him that sent me. Jesus was constantly referring to His relationship to the Father. Constantly. I do what my Father, I always, John chapter 8, I always do those things that please my Father. True leadership always speaks of an authority that is higher than Himself. One thing I realized years ago, in raising my own sons in the house. I never went to Jared, David, and Aaron said, and I'd say this, now Jared, David, Aaron, you're going to do what I say because I'm your dad and I'm the head of this house. Never works. 
What you do is this. By the way, guys, your dad is submitted to Jesus, the King of Kings. I'm under his authority. I do what he says. And guess what? You're going to do what I say because I'm doing what he says. Do you know that your leadership in your home is highly honored when those under you see you under authority? But if you're never under authority and you're barking out orders, they will not honor or respect you. They need to see you under authority. And guess what the purpose of the church is all about? I always told my boys that Pastor Ray is under Dick Iverson and Sister Reedy. They knew I was under authority. That was the purpose of the church. Dad was not an island to himself. Dad was not out there by himself. If your kids see you by yourself and they never see you under authority, you lose credibility. If you want credibility, you need to exemplify what it is to be under authority. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. It's important. Number three. I'm moving through this. this passage. Okay. David, this, this structure. Everyone say structure. <clears throat> How many of you know we need to have structure in our, our relationship? We need to have some boundaries. We need, to we need to have an understanding about the way we're going to relate. We need to understand structure. What, what does structure mean? Structure is not just rules and regulations. No, structure means that we learn to honor and respect each other in that the kind of structure we have is that we're accountable. Pastor Ray doesn't just go out with his checkbook. There's a structure in my house. My wife and I have no secrets. We share the same checkbook. My wife and I share. I don't go out with the guys at night anymore. I'm a married man. I'm accountable. There's a structure in our marriage because it's no longer Ray living to please Ray. Ray now lives to please his wife. For as Christ loved the church, so husbands love your wives. That means you're no longer living for yourself. You know what, today in our society, you know why a relationship divorces 52% height in the church? You know why that is? It's because we haven't understood that loving people is not living to please myself. Loving means that I learn to lay down my life. By the way, the key, the key to real life is learning to lay down your life and serve. It's the key. But structure, structure, there's a structure. In our home, there's attitude. There's a healthy attitude. We just don't allow anybody just to use their mouth and just say anything. There's structure in our house. We will only speak things that bring honor and respect to other people. You cannot just come into our house and say anything you want. We do not allow our kids to do that. Yeah, but they do it at school. I don't care. In this house, we serve God. We're under the kingdom canopy of His authority. We have structure in our house. The word yes and the word no are constantly used. Everyone say no. No is a good word. Some parents are afraid to say no to their kids. It's a healthy, it's a good word. If you don't say no, let me tell you. Do you know why our prisons are full today? Let me tell you why our prisons are full. Prisons are nothing but external boundaries to hold people inside a or corral them in because there's nothing internally to hold them or restrain them. There's no internal restraints. Eventually, they'll grow to a point where they have to get external restraints put on their life. That's why you have prisons. Because they have never had anybody say, no, you're not going to do that. I'll do what I want. So they grow up, they become adults, they break laws, they break structure, they break relationships. Finally, the law has to stop them. Amen? So we, we don't want that. We're going to talk about structure. How do we set healthy structure? The next one, number four, the family calling. Every family has a calling. Super families understand there's a calling. My wife and I, we know our calling and our mission and our goal. We were not just called to be pastors, but Jared, David, and Aaron were called with us into the ministry. 
Now, many of you aren't called in the so-called full-time ministry, but do you know that every family, every single man, every single woman, you may be single, there's a calling on you, and your children need to join that calling with you. There's a calling on your life. You go back to the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a calling upon the entire family. God has called you. There's an eternal calling, and all of you need to join in that mission. There needs to be a unity about the calling. And it needs to be declared, it needs to be defined, it needs to be articulated, and you need to spell it out. Every marriage needs a mission statement. Many marriages today have no mission. I'll ask married couples, where are you going in life? I don't know. Most people think that the only thing that matters is their career and their Game Boy. Or their cell phone. There's more than that. There's a calling on your life. And if you don't set, let me tell you, parents, if you do not define the calling for your kids, the devil will through their friends at school. I will not let my kids' friends at school define their calling. Dad is going to define their calling. Amen? Number five, moving quickly, communication. How many of you believe we need to learn to talk? Speaking involves understanding the power of your words, learning how to listen, understanding what words mean, learning tone of voice, understanding how to say things and say it right. How many of you know that just being right is not always right? Learning to say it right, learning tone of voice, learning to communicate, learning to just shut up and listen. I learned that a long time ago. I remember one time I was sitting in a counseling session for three hours guy left my office after three hours. I didn't get five words into this guy. He left and said, that's the right. You were the best counselor I ever had. I never said a word. He thought I, he thought I did so great. But that wasn't always the case. In every case, sometimes I thought I had to get everybody the answers and say a whole lot. Sometimes just communicating involves listening. Not just listening with your ears, but listening with your heart. Learning to communicate. Number six. Number six. We need to understand the purpose of marriage. Purpose of marriage is more than just having babies, amen, and having money and building a house together. There's a, there, there is a definite purpose that God has for marriage, and God wants to use your marriage to begin to bring purpose and bring understanding of the love of God into your children. We're going to go into Malachi on this one. Number seven. Balance. Everyone say balance. How many of you believe we need balance in our life? Balance between work and play, church and and family life. We need to understand how to bring the areas of our life into healthy balance. These are critical keys when it comes to building strong families. Number eight, money. How many of you believe we all need money? Ah, come on. We all know that. We all need money. Now, I know that, that, that... The Bible actually has a lot to say about money. The Bible warns us about the love of money. But understanding how to handle money. We're going to be looking at some of these things in the weeks to come. Number nine, fun. How many of you believe we need to learn how to have fun? Unbelievably, but for the church, for the most time, we've talked about obedience and sacrifice and laying down our lives and running the race and finishing the course. A lot of people, a lot of unchurched people, don't believe that believers actually like to have fun. You know what? My wife and I just came back from a cruise. You know what's so amazing? We just came back from a cruise, and while we were on this cruise, one thing I've noticed about going on cruise ships is many people go on cruise ships just to get sauced and drunk. And, and many of them, when they're not drunk, they're so miserable because they carry with them a lot of the baggage back home. So they come on a cruise and they try to have fun and they can't have fun because there's no peace in their life and there's no proper alignment with their creator. And so the only thing they can do to have fun is get drunk. How sad. Do you know that Christians should be able to have the best kind of fun? Because when your heart is right, that's the best way to have fun. When you're, when you're walking right with the Lord and you're in right, a lot, healthy alignment with the King of Kings, that is the best kind of fun. You can just, amazing what you can do. We're going to talk about having fun as a believer. Number 10, tools for raising kids. Amen. We're going to teach our children 
we're going to understand, I know that we could go into a lot in, into this, but we're going to give you some tools on how to bring impartation and life to our children and how to help them really understand God's purpose and goal for their life. Number 11, how to have a good fight. Amen. I know some of you raised your eyebrows on that one. You thought, well, I thought marriage was about eliminate. No. Do you know that God intends for iron to sharpen iron? God actually wants you to understand how to have a good battle. That's right. Some of the most growing times, the most uh, the times that my wife and I have ever grown have been seasons where we've gone through some serious battles. It's been landmarks in our life where we look back and say, man, Carol, if we hadn't had that battle, had we not walked through that season, we wouldn't have grown in that particular area. We would not have gained the wisdom. It's nothing, a conference, a counseling session, no pastor can teach you. It is something that you and your spouse or friend or whoever, there are times where you need to know how to have a good fight. Now, I'm not talking about abuse and verbal language and knocking someone down or physical. I'm talking about how to learn to agree to disagree honorably, learning how to come back and say, you know what, we don't agree, but I still love you. I, I love you anyway. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change my attitude. I don't like you, but I'm going to love you. And I'm going to grow through this. And I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to learn to worship Him. I'm going to learn to in everything give thanks. See, that's learning how to fight what Paul says, the good fight. It's called a good fight. Now, there's a bad fight. Bad fighting is when you never learn anything from the, from the battle. But a good fight is when you come through the heated battle. Well, we didn't see eye to eye, but man, we came through that thing and looking at each other. In fact, do you know that that becomes the elements and the components and the keys for genuine and true intimacy. And intimacy is where we have the kind of trust that we can have in one another because we've come through something together. That's what makes a marriage. That's what makes how to have a good fight. I can't wait to preach that message. Boy, I got a lot of good illustrations on that one. Number 12, last thing here is every super family needs to understand why they need to be connected to the local church. There's a lot of people that they have this flip, well, I don't need church. Not, not if you're a believer, God wants you in a covenant relationship with the local church. There's a reason for it. Not in a legalistic way, but in a relational way. Now, I want you to jump with me, and I know my time's gone, but jump with me back to Luke chapter 6. I want you to see what Jesus says here. Five things I want to show you here. The Bible says that the, the man who built his house upon the rock dug deep. Everyone say he dug deep. Digging deep means this, is that that man realized he would not assume that what he had was strong enough. A man who digs deep knows that he needs something more than what he has in his own life. He knew that he had to work at it. Digging involves work. Everyone say work. I'm going to have to work at this thing. That means I might have to read. I might have to pray. I might have to seek the Lord. Guess what else digging means? Digging means going down. When you begin to go down, how many of you know you can't go up until you go down? There's no payday until there's a work day. There's no reaping without sowing. You see, it involves going down. Anybody who's ever built a house knows that you have to go down before you go up. One of the things I thought was interesting, I heard this on the news, that more people today spend more time, listen, listen, listen to this, they spend more time on the wedding day than on what it means to be married. More people are more interested on the wedding day than what it is to build their, their marriage and their build their relationship. They don't invest any time into that. The, th the, the third thing about digging is that get ready to get dirty. How many of you know, how many here have ever dug in the ground? You're going to get dirty. That means that we're going to have to confront issues. That's a good thing. I'm going to confront some things. 
I'm going to confront some dirt. I know that when God was beginning to lay the foundation in my relationship with my wife and our marriage, I had to confront. We got dirty. What I mean by getting dirty is this, is that I realized that there was some things in my life that were ugly that I didn't know was there. How many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody and being in that relationship, you discovered something about yourself that you didn't know you had until you lived with that person? Or maybe you come to the church and say, well, I come to that, that relationship and I, I see things. And all of a sudden, what most people do is they want to run from that relationship. That's the worst thing to do. God doesn't bring you into a relationship now just for all the, the dirt to be seen. But God wants you to learn how to deal with that. He wants you to make the, the, the necessary adjustments. The, the next thing is that the wise man had a sense of expectancy. He expected to hit the rock. I need to know that when I'm serving, when I'm working, when I'm praying, when I'm reading, when I'm walking through some battles, I need to believe, you know what? We're going to come out of this a lot better than when we came in it. We're going to come through this. We're going to hit the rock. We're going to have a solid foundation. And from there, we begin to build our family. We begin to build our relationship. Now, I, I've said a lot this morning, and I, this is really, these basically are subtitles to what I'm going to be sharing on in the next several weeks, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to carry an anointing. I believe He wants us to understand the keys to having dynamic relationships. You know why? Because people around us in our society are going to be coming to you and asking you, how did you make it through that battle? How did you make it through the? How do you make it? How do you raise godly kids? How do you get your kids to read the Bible and to pray? How come there's joy in your marriage? Do you know people will ask you that? They will ask you that. And you need to give them an answer. And so we're, we're here to equip the church. This is what this is all about. The Bible says he gave some apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man. That's what the church is all about, is for equipping us this morning. God wants our families strong. He wants our relationships secure. You do not have to live like some dysfunctional individual just kind of guessing and wondering if you're going to make it another year. I run into a lot of people say, I don't know, Pastor. I just don't think we're going to make it another year. You don't have to go through that. God wants to secure. He wants to bring a sense of security. He wants to lay a healthy foundation. Amen? And we're going to learn that. It's, I, by the way, learning to know Jesus, growing to know Jesus, is also learning to love one another. The Bible says that we know that we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. We need to know how to love one another. Amen? And God, I want you to bow your heads. You may say, Pastor Ray, I need you to pray with me because in my life, I have laid, I have not had a foundation. I've not had anyone really open the Word of God or the Word of life to me. And there's been some fear. There's been insecurity. And I need someone to agree with me. I need that accountability. I need a foundation in my life, in the relationships that I have. You could be single, by the way. You may be married. This doesn't just apply to married life. But maybe you have children. And it also involves with just relationships in the house of God. And the Lord wants us to be wise master builders. He wants to bring a sense of confidence to you. He wants your house to be a super home. You're a super dad, a super mom. There's a winning attitude in you. Maybe you may say this morning, Pastor, I need you to agree with me. Because I need that foundation laid in my life. And I, I want to grow and be strong. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Okay, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. See that hand. Amen. Actually, I can raise my hand because I'm always asking the Lord to give me more strength, more wisdom. 
Let's all stand to our feet, shall we, this morning? You know, the Holy Spirit has been really rich here this morning. God has been here, and what He's doing, He's equipping the house. He's equipping His people. He wants His people to be strong. We're going to learn how to develop an atmosphere, a godly atmosphere. We're going to learn how to lead. We're going to learn how to communicate. We're going to learn how to walk and live like winners and conquerors that you are in Christ. Father, we thank You this morning, Lord, for the ministry of the Word, the ministry of the Holy Spirit among us. Father, we ask You, Lord, that the Word will take root in our lives as we contemplate, Lord, these different principles to help us, Lord, to rise up, that we would no longer be taken advantage of by Satan, by the devil, because of the lack of knowledge. For my people to destroy it for a lack of knowledge. But Lord, we would be wise master builders, Lord, laying the foundation, understanding that our work must go beyond lip service into actions and substance. As you said in your word, Lord, that we should not just call you, Lord, but that we would be followers of you in that we actually do what you say, becoming doers of the word, teaching our children Lord, being wise examples, Lord. Father, I know that right now, every one of us, every person here this morning, somebody is watching them. Somebody is looking at their examples. Someone is watching them, what they say and how they treat their wife or how they treat their husband, the way they raise their kid, the atmosphere in their home. Somebody is watching us all the time. Father, help us to be cognizant, conscientious of the, of the calling that you have placed upon us individually as well as collectively. Father, this is the day where you're causing the church to rise up and to be the church and to be a glorious church, to arise and shine for our light is come. Father, I pray for the life groups tonight. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just have his way, Lord, among us tonight in the fellowship and the gathering of your people. Lord, I pray for continued healing and encouragement upon us. And we all give you the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and tell them they're shining. Amen today. Amen. Let the sun shine on them. God bless you. If you'd like prayer down here, feel free to come down for prayer this morning.